Simone Carter, David Ma, and Nate LeBlanc. Three underground rap nerds walked into a bar. An argument ensued about who the goats are. The seed was a thought that would turn into a pod. Now fans worldwide say... Not a bad job, the ad hoc cab squad Who chronicles the vanguard of hip-hop at large Rap taste slacked off, don't need to be mad, dog. Look no further, it's the dad bod Rap pod Podcasting live from San Jose, California It is the dad bod rap pod I am one of your hosts, Damone Carter, a.k.a. Damone Question mark? Yeah! (laughs) I kind of questioned existence in that moment Something you need to tell us? Yeah, I'm like, who am I? Uh, actually, my my name is Bruce. This whole time, no. Uh, I'm Nate LeBlanc. Yeah, I could confirm that you are Nate LeBlanc. This is a I, podcast. What else could it be with three guys of our age? Either either we're we're running three on threes or we're doing a podcast. Those are the only two activities that we are allowed to do um, at this age. But we're we're happy to be here. Um, I'm happy to be here with the bros, Dave Ma. What's happening, man? Yo, well, good to see you guys. Um, beautiful day in San Jose. You guys are my bold crush bros. So uh, good to see you guys. <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, and we also have, of course, the Mercurial, Nate LeBlanc. How's it going? I'm good. It's an interesting time with uh, releases. We need to do our catch up oh, on yeah. the year. Like, yeah. Maybe we should start thinking What's the about first quarter? That. No, first we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna do the obligatory uh first quarter show coming up really soon. Uh, because we are we are getting to that point. I well, it just I helps had, us figure out the end of the year if we mark the time. You you have to, you have to keep up because there's so many releases that are coming out right now. I created a folder of every rap release that I could think of or find on the internet, and it's 18 hours. Every rap release of 2022. Whoa, that's already come out. And it's like like in hours. our world because I'm sure it's thousands. No, no, I mean I'm, I try to be pretty record. expensive. I'm I'm okay. gonna put the Gunner record in there just to be like, oh, let's see. Um, but it yeah, it's pretty long. I would say about 16 hours of it are trash. But um, <laughs> I'm starting to do that because I know that we're we're pushing towards uh, always looking towards a, a year in uh, album best. But there's another body of people who like rate things, apparently movies. I think it's called the Oscars or some shit. You might have heard about it. Uh, amongst the bros here, Nate is our resident uh, movie buff. And I, at some point, I want to understand why you call somebody a buff. Uh, we just did an interview with somebody else called themselves a movie buff. Uh, but uh, you are buff and you're into movies uh, and you watch the Oscars. So... Nate LeBlanc, give us your take on a ho-hum Oscars from uh, a couple days ago. My take on the Oscars is there were a lot of great films this year. Everyone take the three hours to watch Drive My Car. It's on HBO Max. It's really beautiful. Um, But none of that matters because it was the vibe of the night and just everyone knows this already. But like the just the whole show, which was a shit show up till this point and after it was just ruined because Will Smith had his first slap since summertime. <laughs> yes, I was going to ban all the lang- all reference to that moment, uh, but I had to make room for Nate. Uh, yeah, so, so that happened. Uh, a million takes. I think I read like four think pieces today, and I was like, how do you conceive a take? Like I was reading a Roxanne Gay, who I really like, an essayist, 
Um, and she had this like, real, I know she worked with an editor and shit, but I'm like, this shit happened like literally 36 hours ago. Like, how do you have a composed like stream of thought about it? And they're still kind of late. Like you have to have it on Monday yeah. morning if you want it to be, I mean, she yeah. occupies a position in journalism and thought that she can take her time with it a little bit. But I mean, that's that hers was kind of late. Yeah, I'm just like, oh my God, the 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 take industrial complex. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a little bit worn, but I don't want us to go too much further without um, shouting out Joseph Patel, um, who's one of the producers of Summer of Soul. He yes, was on yes. our program. Jasbo. Uh, Jasbo, amazing booking on your part, Dave. Dave, I'll, I'll throw this to you. I don't know if you caught it, but Chris Rock not only disrespected Jada Pinkett, but also <laughs> Joseph Patel. Are you going to slap him? Oh man. Okay. I mean, that, that, there's a lot going on. I mean, I guess Joseph Patel could, uh, was more justified in slapping Chris Rock than uh, Will Smith, if you wanted to. One, one, uh, one, one could argue. Give we talked about this a little bit before about you know our boy Sean Cantrowitz, you know, seeing Chris Rock sort of workshop that joke, kind of not funny to begin with. So I mean, what are we doing here? Um, yeah. The alopecia yeah. joke was way funnier. Yeah. Yeah. Although I'm like GI Jane reference and that's so uh, dated, yeah. dude. Yeah, I'm like there was something else there. Like you did, you should have kept working that. Here we are. Like now we're being critique <laughs> uh, podcast. I saw someone else say on Twitter it should have been uh, the Dora Malaysia or whatever. It's the the army from Black Panther of all oh, the women yes. with the shaved heads. Uh, yes. Like that would have yes. been the contemporary version yes. of the joke. And when yeah. while working on it, he would have figured out how to pronounce that. Like unlike me. <laughs> But uh, that that would have been at least a modern reference. Yeah, and I, I just I feel like um, I do feel bad uh, for Joseph, not the other producers because they were white. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, the yeah, <laughs> the other guys they're fine. No, um, it kind of makes me think about a time in in my life because um, that's what I do is I relate these things to my life because they're clearly related. Um, my uncle got married, I DJed his wedding, and there was a, like an ugly, weird fight at the end. And it's like all anybody could talk about that night and a couple months after, but you know what? He's still married. Like they celebrate the anniversaries. <laughs> now, there's no, it, when they do an anniversary, it's not like, oh, remember when dude punched the other dude at your wedding? It's like, nah, it right. happened. I so, thought you jo- were mad because no one gave you props on your blend of celebration into YMCA. No, just no love. <laughs> I was irritated. Um, yeah, so I kind of feel like while it's weird today, uh, Joseph Patel gets to walk through life and be like, um, that's Oscar winning Joseph producer Joseph Patel. Hell yeah, hell yeah. It only sucks that like their moment was sort of obscured by the whole controversy, obviously, totally. right? And, yeah, and like uh, Summer of Soul is such a great movie. Like if you're yes, listening so to this yes. and you haven't right, watched it yet, right. turn this off and go watch go it. Go watch it. Come right, back to right. this later. Right. Incredible yep. film. Questlove did an amazing job. Joseph Incredible. Patel did an amazing job. And I have to say, like, I'm wrong a lot on this podcast. I totally called that he would win an Oscar <laughs> over a year ago. I mean, oh, is yeah, that a right. documentary? Jesus. I mean, I was yeah. I was just like we, you know, it, it, the movie's amazing. You're going to win an Oscar, and then like you, you say, know, and you did say that on yeah, air. I did, I did say it. It's he he demurred a little bit. Seventy nine point five. That's right. <laughs> Check the resume. Uh, have we? It made me think about this. I'm sure we've talked to people who have won Grammys. No, Grammys for sure. I yeah, none are coming to are. mind immediately. But yeah. there's so many different kinds of Grammys that that right. you could win. Right. Right. Have won. Yeah. I think. I think. I might be making this up. Did Dell win something for the Gorillas uh, record? That would not surprise me, but I have okay. no idea. Okay. So, uh, 
if, if you would like to be the dad bod rap pod uh, researcher ombud, ombudsman, uh, <laughs> we are hiring interns for uh, no money. But um, you have to fact check the show in real time. Yeah, you have to fact check in real time. And, I guess uh, technically should be my job, but who has the time? Uh, not you. Uh, we need you. We need you firmly occupying your power forward spot. So uh, we we might could we we know there's some interest in folks learning about um, the the type of movies we like. So we might could uh, do an Oscar episode on the Patreon. So if you haven't subscribed yet, uh, now would be a great time. There are discussions in the works. So uh, yeah, shout out to uh, shout out to Joseph Patel and all of the the other folks. There are other people just like with the Grammys on these like minuscule levels, not minuscule, but like we always think about best actor and shit. There's some lighting tech who's like fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fuck greatest day of yeah. his life. Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And yeah, deserve like, it, you know. So, so I hope everybody that gets to slide that on their resume ups their fee um, and lives a great life. Uh, but we are not a movie podcast. Some, some might say we are a, a, a rap podcast. Actually, all might say that because it's in our name. <laughs> and uh, we have a really uh, special guest today um, in our 200 plus episodes. I do not think we have talked to anyone uh, who was an active participant in this particular era of, of hip-hop um so we, we'll get into that interview with easy ad of the cold crush in just a, a little bit but to kind of tee it up i wanted to talk about um hip-hop pioneers let's say pioneers um as you'll see the term legend is not always um readily accepted but definitely pioneers people who came first um nate i'll start with you um do we as a culture do enough to venerate protect celebrate the the pioneers who made this shit happen no i mean clearly not um it, especially the mcs it's actually interesting some of the people mm. whose legacies have stretched a little further into the, the future the present i suppose like grandma you hear about grandmaster flash but not cowboy mm-hmm. from the mm. series five right, right like right, right. um and I, I have to say when we were thinking about talking about this uh, the one time somebody recently tried to do that is when macklemore had melly yes. mel on a, on a record yes. and it, it was right. embarrassing totally yeah. it's totally. like i that is such a nice gesture that does not work at all like right. no yeah. thanks which is his brand right yes. like, the yeah, corniest whole, guy ever whole, though i mean yeah that's yeah. why it just doesn't work yeah no. uh but but yeah i mean um all this many multi-billion dollar industry would not exist without the labor of these people and they're totally written out of the story Mm -hmm. um and uh the cold crush is interesting because i think the brand if you will of the cold crush brothers far exceeds people's familiarity with the people Mm. or the cold crush brothers um it's like it maybe like kaz kind of famous for different reasons as was and was always thought to be the the best MC in the group people kind of know whip or whip it's always one of the theories of mine that when people are doing old school rap voice they're actually doing whip or whip Mm -hmm. yeah Um, and then a a guy like easy ad is not really talked about um as a a pioneering MC. and so i was so glad to get Mm -hmm. to talk to him um and it's an interesting interview and i i think you guys are going to enjoy it and he has a very interesting perspective but uh, no, they are not given nearly enough credit, and like you know, they're just not paid in the way that they should right. be. Well, yeah, that's that's what I was going to get to. Dave, do you think um, the artists of a successive generation have any 
obligation right. to, to bread out. Like I always felt like I've heard the Rolling Stones did this, but I don't know if it actually happened that they would bread out uh, people like, um, you know, blues musicians that they would no play. Way. But yeah, like yeah, bringing yeah. them on tour, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like just, just provide waters or somebody okay. opens for the Rolling Stones. Okay. Yeah, do, I don't do think they feel... like literally wrote them checks, but gotcha, gotcha. Uh, although Mick, Mick Jagger should have. But do you think? Uh, do you think rappers, especially now that there are millionaire and even right. almost billionaire rappers, do you think right. guys like Cole Crush are are owed? I, I think they are. I don't know. I don't know if I could uh, specifically uh, quantize that, you know, like yeah. should Jay-Z give him a $500,000 check or a million dollar check? Like what yeah, do you yeah, say, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but with hip hop, I mean, you know, I think hip hop's fifth element might be exploitation. You know what I mean? Ooh, and like ooh. just just through the years, you have like the T-Law rocks of the world. Like no one cares, you know, and, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm not talking about artists who have like mismanaged their own careers and don't fucking pay taxes, you know, uh, right. and I might I might have a bit of a remedial understanding about it. But I mean, if you look at rappers who, who've gone broke, um, it, they're not the relevant ones. They're the pioneers that constantly get stepped over, you know. And mm -hmm. um, so to your point, I do think that there is a bit of an obligation, but I'm not sure how one goes about it. You know, what is. Yeah, yeah, do, yeah. You know. And uh, like, what do you do to speak to the legacy of an AZAD that we had the that we had the privilege to speak to? So, you know what? I I'm unsure of of the exact number. Like, what do you do? Cut them a check for X amount? I, I don't know. It's it's like do a because Puffy, um, famous not famously, but on the new uh, Benny the Butcher record, he he pontificates about you know this is black culture, baby. This is the, the one of the best resources in the world. We just got to stick together. Okay, well then give everybody health care then. <laughs> like take some of them checks and like you well, know what see, I mean? Yeah. yeah I, like, that would that would be a start. That would be a yeah, start. Yeah, absolutely. Like, do do something. Um, I mean, I mean, maybe if not a check, but maybe just add to the overall conversation to push the importance mm -hmm. of these pioneers up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, just yeah. just in terms of educating the future generations, if you're the ditty, you know. And it's interesting because I do feel like with the cold crush in particular. Um, that was one of the first groups as I, you know, found out about those type of things. It's one of those names that I was like, oh shit, I don't know about this. And, and it's like, such a great to. name. Like it yeah, is so yeah. hip hop. I know, I know. Like it's, it's like as hip hop as fat laces. It's just, it's totally. such, it just like resonates through time because it's so perfect. Totally. Absolutely. Totally. And then uh, once you see wild style, and I think that's a lot of, I think for a lot of folks, that is the jump off point. Of, I'll just do uh, another thing like this. I think we did this in the segment. I don't know if we're using it or not. If you haven't watched Wild Style, stop yeah. listening to us. Go watch Wild watch Style Wild like style. four times and memorize <laughs> yeah. it. It is, yeah. it's such an important document. And it's, right. I, I can't say it's a well-made movie, but it's a good movie in that it's right. like so entertaining and you will hear things that have been sampled and are building blocks of the sound Numerous of the culture times. throughout the percent. whole thing. Um, you know what's funny? Ever since Dave kind of messaged us that we were doing this, that uh, Doom line, it's actually from Victor Vaughn, where he's like, uh, "We prefer the old stuff, preferably the cold stuff." Yeah, yeah, going through my head like yes. constantly. It's so totally. that was such a great little maneuver he did right there. Totally, absolutely. Um, so, Dave, how did you how did you score this booking? Like, um, so uh, typically, I just go through my 
my different journalistic channels, you know what I mean? Um, but I, I'll, I'll throw a, a I'll lob occasional random darts. And uh, with Easy AD on Facebook, which I'm not even on that often, um, he's very active on Facebook. So, oh, okay. A very generational uh, thing, perhaps. Yeah, but to say I, that's uh, on brand. Yeah. I, I, I just messaged him and was like, yo, these are my credentials. Would you, can we get a minute? And um, he was very responsive, very, very supportive. And, uh, you know, as you can, as you'll hear in this interview, I mean, he's, uh, full of history and just um, just very earnest with everything. And, uh, you know, what an honor to have him on, man. He was that dude who was there, you know? Yes, yes. And and uh, like I said at the top, um, not we haven't talked to too many folks kind of from this era. So it was it was great to kind of get that perspective. But we would like to if you're listening. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Dadbodrapod at gmail.com. Uh, Absolutely. To talk to anyone who was intimately involved with the creation of the culture that we revere so much and uh, i guess now stop listening we're kind of running out of time (laughs) (laughs) um it is going to be elderly people soon we need to to record this stuff exactly absolutely absolutely not to get too grandiose about our our purpose here but um hip-hop is criminally underdocumented we've said it on this program Mm -hmm. a number of times um, I'm not sure if there's another podcast that has talked to um, Easy AD. Perhaps there is, but I haven't heard of it. Uh, and so we're very much interested in, in letting folks um, from that era come and tell their stories. So if if that's you, or if you know some people, or that's your uncle, uh, hit us up. We'd, we'd love to talk to folks. But let's get into this interview um, with Easy AD of the Cold Crush. Dead by rap Dad by Rap Pod. Every week we talk to people who are moving and shaping hip hop culture. This week, that is especially true. We have Easy AD from the Cold Crush Brothers. How's it going, man? In the world, um, world, the world, <laughs> the world in which, which we existing in is going is a little tough, but I, I would say I'm living a wonderful, exciting, exhilarating life. There it is. There it is. Glad, glad to hear it. Glad you could you could join us. Um, I want to start by asking, like, can you, you're a hip hop pioneer and MC. Can you talk to us about what it was like before hip hop? Like before hip hop was a thing, what were, what were the cool cats doing? Like what, what occupied people's time and space before hip hop culture came on the scene? What exploded? Absolutely. So, um, for a lot of the young um, people who lived in the South Bronx, hip hop was just a, a, a I mean, excuse me, the music and the elements in which we we encompassed the culture of hip hop. We, we we had a lot of fun, right? We we went we went places, right? So if you were a popular hip hop 
person at the time, before we called it hip hop, you were able to travel from different sectors of the area and safely go there. So you could, so we live, we all lived in the South Bronx. So there was places in the South Bronx that if you didn't live there, you didn't go there. So by being, you know, musically inclined uh, from whether you're a DJ, whether you're a B-boy, um, whether you uh, are MC, um, you were able to travel to these places safe because people looked at you like as a, a, a uh, living in the ghetto superstar doing something that number one they were they they, they didn't do um, and it was something new and they really didn't understand it but they liked it a lot okay okay perfect perfect well thank, thanks for the um, sort of background on that um, we're going to jump around because I mean there's such a depth of um, history to, to, to um, uncover but you know, um, a standout moment for Cold Crush is uh, the wild style uh, scene with you guys versus the Fantastic Freaks, of course. And I'm sure you've gotten this question before, but we would be remiss since we have your time not to ask about it. Can you take us back to that day and just give us the background and your feelings and just everything that occurred during that famous uh, Cold Crush versus Fantastic Freaks uh, battle scene? The battle scene was uh, was uh, written in because... Uh, the Fantastic, we call them five. You said the Fantastic Five, and mm. the Cocos Brothers, mm. like kind of. Um, we took over the streets because other groups were had made records and they were traveling a lot, so they left. They they left a, a, a space, and we kind of we were kind of battling for that space at one point, and so we had. Um, we had battled, I think we, we had battled, um, we hadn't battled yet, actually. The Cold Crush and Fantastic didn't do our famous battle mm. from July 3rd, 1981, all right, before we filmed the battle at the Dixie Club uh, in the Wild Style movie. So it was, um, we were kind of like taken back because we had to use music that was created that we weren't using at the time. So we had to adapt our MC, our, our MC style to uh, a beat that was created by um, Wild Style producer, I think um, Stein and Charlie Ahern, they created that beat. And so we had a rhyme with that. But Fantastic Five and the Cokers Brothers, we, we didn't like each other as far as MCs. Um, they felt they were better than us, um, and we felt that we were better than them. But we never compared ourselves to them. That's the difference. We never compared ourselves to any groups. But anyway, back when the movie was being filmed, um, Charlie wrote this. Uh, Charlie Ahern, who is the producer, uh, director of Wild Style, along with um, Fab Five Freddy, assistant, you know, producer. They wrote this scene in because you know that the battle was like brewing with the Cold Crush and the Fantastics. Bro. So we we filmed it at the Dix Dixie. It was it was fun. Um, if you look. Um, when you look at that scene, we were just doing our routine, our rhymes and stuff that we normally do. Um, and uh, it was it was fun. Um, we didn't really the movie aspect didn't really sink into our head at the particular time that we were actually doing a movie. I know we were doing a movie, but we weren't like like consciously. Oh, we're doing a movie, hmm. you know, and so it was fun. Um, I think the Fantastic Five went first. 
they shot their scene first, and then we shot our scene uh, second, and then they, you know, then they edited like we were, you know, you know, about you know, movie movie magic they call it. Yeah, uh, but it was fun. Um, but the interesting thing about just let's I want to give you a little background on both groups. Sure. So, um, the Fantastic Five, and um, for those of you who don't know, they consist of five MCs: Master Rob, Ruby D, Whip Whip Rock, and Kevin Kemp. Um, their DJ is Grand Wizard Theodore. He's known uh, for inventing the scratch technique. All right, so um, Kev, Kev, Kevin Kev and myself, uh, we grew up together playing basketball. So we knew each other since we were like 10 years old. So we, have, we had a connection from just playing basketball. So a lot of times in the hip-hop culture now, they talk about basketball. We was doing that. We played basketball, and I'll give you a little more history on that. But so then, Whipple Whip and Dada Rock used to be down with the Mighty Force and Cat and Kaz Group, and then they joined the Cold Crush Brothers, which was myself, um, Easy AD, Mr. T, Whipple Whip and Dada Rock, for about maybe three to six months. And then they left and they moved over to the Fantastic Five. So that's a little history on, on the groups. Okay. And then our group, which is the co-crush that you know of now from the movie, they were, you know, we were before then, we had a, a guy named Mr. T, um, Whip Whip Dada Rock, uh, and myself. So we was the co-crush along with Charlie Chase um, and uh, Tony Chong. And just a little history. A lot of times, I know you're, you're heard a lot of people talk about the co-crush, um, the original DJ Tony Tone is the guy who created the Cold Crush. He came up with the name and he put the group together. Mm. So just what that's for, that's what document sinks. Yeah. DJ Tony Tone. <laughs> so the Wildstone movie kind of um, was, the battle scene was incredible, by the way. And it, um, you know, it helped propel the culture of hip hop on an international scale once the movie came out and we got an opportunity to go on tour to Japan and Osaka and stuff like that. So not only us, but you know, the B-boys and the B-girls and the graph writers. So it was like mm. the culture invaded Japan and Osaka. And uh, it hasn't been the same there since we left. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Thank you for that history. Um, I'm, I'm curious. Um, it seems like your guys' um, performance style at that time was very routine-based. And so I'm wondering, was there like, group practice like did you like how like how did you come up with your routines how did you perfect your routines was it through performance was it through practice was it like (laughs) how did you nail it because it's you know you guys have that uh perfectly in time together thing and then taking the verses separately like just talk to us about it please absolutely we did we did a lot of rehearsing i think one of the one of the most the the things that the cold crush four did all the time is rehearse we wanted to perfect our craft um and we knew that only way you can get that way is you have to put in the work to get there. So our ideas and things that we came up with, we didn't want to be like any other group that was currently out there, right? So they would take us, they would take like a um, a commercial jingle, and they would make a a, a routine off it, a, a rhyme off it. We felt that that was very minuscule and very like ch- like childlike. For us, so we wanted to take our our skills on a level to a different level. So we would we would take a um, a classic song like 
like cats in the cradle, right? And it, you know, so no matter where you hear that song or that mel melody, you'll connect with that forever. It's a timeless song. So we we chose stuff like that, and we made a routine called um, "All the MCs Can't Deal with Us." Because we all the phone on the hands of code, of course, putting the fellas on the jock. Well, anyway, so we, we did it that way to make it timeless. The the writing skills was impeccable. Um, the lead writer, of course, is Grandmaster Kaz, but everyone played a part in assisting in that, uh, which was incredible. Uh, so we would take another timeless song, um, Barry Manilow. 50 ways, you know, 50 ways to rock a party. So we took we took it to another level where people would hear our routines and they go, I've heard that before. But we put a, a crazy hip hop beat, a dope hip hop beat, rocking in the pocket, a love rap underneath it. Um, and and we, we took it to another stratosphere. And to this day, no one has duplicated that. So it doesn't matter whatever we rhyme in or we perform in, They'd be like, yo, that's dope. Like, what, 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 what? I heard that before. You you heard the melody, but you haven't heard it with this hard rhyme and this hard beat and this like this harmony that once it's inside of your head, it doesn't come out. So we did a lot of rehearsing with that. Um, we um, we did so many. Um, we even we did a routine off um, "Breathe Again" uh, with Tony Braxton, and it goes like this. If we ever catch you on the mic again, if you ever say that, girl, your wits are 10. If you keep on stealing lyrics from your friend, if you ever decide to pick up a pen, it'll be the end. Yes, it will. And we promised you, we promised you that you never MC again. So we, we did like that. We took it to another level. We flowed, we rehearsed, we live to rock the stage. It doesn't, it didn't matter to us. We was, we were, we, we challenged ourselves. We weren't in competition with the other groups. We were in competition with ourselves. So we never liked so we want to be better than them. We want to be better than them. Uh, we wasn't. We wanted to be perfect our our skills. So that's that's one of the things. Good question, by the way. Awesome, man. That, that was great. Uh, so, given how hard you guys practice and perfected your particular take on the craft, at that time, did you have a sense of how far hip hop culture would go when you were kind of practicing to battle and? Um, you know, run the streets at that time. Was there a sense that like this is this is gonna go further than this? We 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 honestly did not have an uh, an idea that it would go to where it went. There where it is today. But one of the things that I just want to share with y'all is that we put things in place. One of the things, if you look, if you if you kind of like dissect the Cold Cross Brothers, um, we have we have a very intricate and very intelligent group of of people with us all right so one of the things that i did while i was with where I'm, I'm still with the cold crush brothers i we had a, a, a photographer in school his name is his name was joey kane at the time 
And I was like, Joey, I want you to come take pictures of, of, of the group I'm with. He was like, I said, I'm with the Coker's brothers. We do hip hop. He said, what's that? I said, don't worry, just come. So before anyone could get in, involved with us, we would have to introduce, because Tony was the head of the group. You would have to introduce him to Tony. And Tony said, okay, you're, you're part of the group. So once he was part of the group, he was part of the family. So he came, he took pictures of us everywhere we went, all around, all the shows. Um, so that's part of the history that I made, I want to make sure that we had because that's what me. I just love history. I was, I'm a history buff in school. I love history. Then one of my third grade friends, his name is Elvis Moreno. They know, they call him Tate Master. Tate Master was introduced to Tony. And Tony said, you're down with the crew. And Tony gave him the okay to plug directly into the sound system. So our tapes was super clear. It wasn't no fuzz on it. It was no buzz on it. The reason why we, I wanted to do that is because the other tapes that were circling around the Bronx at the time was um, the Furious Five tapes, um, the L Brothers tapes, right? And they, they tapes used to be like kind of staticky and not clear. But when you get a Colchris tape, it sounds like you were standing inside of the, the party. So that part of the history I want I want to save and, and we have saved it. But to your question, we didn't know hip hop was going to this level. Of course not. Um, we were doing the music of hip hop, having fun, um, expressing our, doing our craft, writing our rhymes, being popular, like in, in the community that we lived in and a community that we didn't live in. Uh, it gave us an opportunity to travel outside of the boroughs. This is before records, right? So we talking about before the records hit, right? Before um, that record came out in 1979 and changed the, the, the business side of hip hop and really kind of put hip hop MCs ahead of their time because their rhyming style, we was already ahead of that, right? So when they came out with that record, it was like, our style was ahead of that. So we, we, we always was considered ahead of our time later on as things went on. But we didn't know hip hop was going to go on a business side to this level. No one knew we were doing what we loved. We were our own promoters. We promoted our own parties. We carried our own system inside the clubs. Um, we did everything ourselves. So we were entrepreneurs and we also was branding experts that we didn't know at the time. <laughs> Oh, thank you for the explanation and all the insight. Um, you mentioned Grandmaster Kaz earlier, and you know I want to sort of um, bring that up a little bit. Um, I we all know the history about Big Hank sort of um, taking some of his lines and stuff. But oh I, well, well yeah, so so I wanted you to sort of uh, you know uh, unravel that for us because there's there's a lot of stuff and a lot of connections and all that, and you were there. So can you sort of break that down for us of the history well, Hank, of what happened? Hank was Kaz's manager at the time, mm. and he came in one day, he's like, I'm going to make a record. And they were like, what? You're not, you're not even the MC. How are you going to make a record? But he asked Cass for a rhyme. Cass threw his rhyme books on the bed and said, take whatever rhyme you want, but look out for me. So when we heard Rappers Light on the radio, I mean, it, it was, if we were doing like, um, if we were... Um, what are you saying that uh, rating it? It was it was it was not good. Like it was a, it was like it was a, it was not good. But 
Um, Kaz's rhyme was the best rhyme on Rappers Delight. So Hank took the rhyme, did it on Rappers Delight. He didn't, he didn't, Hank didn't say, yo, I, I got an MC or I got MCs that I know that can do this. He did it himself. Mm. And that changed the, co- the, the cost of history and the cost of wherever we went. And most of us who were in that community at the particular time, we thought nothing of it because it wasn't good. It was people who were out of our community. They weren't even known by anybody in the hip hop world that we exist in. So we didn't take them serious or we didn't take that record serious, unbeknownst to the world that it would be where it is today and considered what it is today. I thought it was interesting earlier. You, I, I couldn't tell if you were like trying to avoid saying the night you were like that record, and we all knew what record you were talking about because <laughs> it kicks off the recorded era, right? But um, I appreciate you filling us in on the true backstory. Um, th- a, a kind of weird question. Curious how you like what you'll make of this, but like it seems like the early hip hop existed at parties, jams, park jams, as they're as they're now known in the clubs were you guys partiers or was it like you were going to work like you were when you were going to perform were you in the milieu of the party in the club scene i would say i would say i i was at work i can't say that for everyone else (laughs) i'm a perfectionist by 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 nature um i like order um i like to rehearse a lot i think that um i don't i know that the more work you put in it, the better it's going to become. So when I used to come into the show, I mean, I used to go straight to the, dress, to the locker room or dressing room, and I used to just relax to get myself mentally prepared for what we we're about to do. And so that was my, I had, you know, everyone, the, the most exciting thing about being part of the Cocos Brothers, everyone is an individual. They had their own way of getting yourself ready for the crowd, right, or, or the performance. Some members would go get a drink. Some members would go smoke marijuana. Some members would go and just talk to people. I went into the dressing room and I relaxed. I breathed. I, I never drank. I never smoked. I never got high in my life. So mm. my high was jumping on that stage. So when I jumped on that stage, it was just, it was like the level of energy was like, exude out of me and I can just tell you like every time we performed I could not I couldn't go to sleep for two days mm. sometimes I could not go to sleep because of the adrenaline right the natural adrenaline that comes out of performing for people and making the audience feel good one of the things about us as far as a group is concerned we never felt that we were better than the people we were performing for mm. right we connected to the people on every level so we felt we were part of you, not we were part of that audience, but we want to make sure that you had a show, whether it was one person, whether it was five people, whether it was 10 people. When you came to see the Cold Crush perform, you left that place talking about, yo, that was a dope show. And that's what we wanted. We wanted our, our, we wanted you to feel us on every level that you can feel a performance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh- I'm wondering, as I was preparing for this interview, wondering how you felt about um, how hip hop has been to you and to your group. Famously, Jay-Z once said, 
he overcharges because of what was done to the cold crush. And I'm like, did you cut the cold crush a check though? Uh, uh, how do you feel like hip hop has treated you? Do you feel like in some ways you got shortchanged because of, of a group like a Sugar Hill that got all the attention and status? Do you, how, what are your feelings about that? Well, we have my feeling. Well, I don't, I'm going with what I, I'm going with. What I think I don't, I'm not going with my feeling. My feelings will give you a different answer. So I'm gonna go with what I think. <laughs> so this is, this is, this is a facts, right? We had an opportunity to sign with Sugar, Sugar, uh, Sugar Hill Records. We chose not to because we didn't want to be a part of one more peg in someone else's will. So we decided not to sign with that. Um, we were looking to be um, like the number one person on a particular album or a, a company, or whatever, so they could push us. But you know, we, you know, we made some, we made some uh, uh, interesting choices. Um, so, to your question is, uh, when Jay Z said that. Um, that line, you have to look, you have to list, you have to look in depth to really what he's really saying. So, because remember who he is, right? He's a very smart dude, meaning that he says something, but you have to, you have to look into it. It's not going to be on the surface. So his mentor um, and partner in hip hop was Jazz Doe. So Jazz Doe is a crazy crazy cold crush fan he had all our tapes all our routines so he you know so jay jay obviously was connected with him so he had to hear all that stuff right i remember it goes back to what i said earlier our tapes were clear you it's like you were there so you got you got that vibration of what we did on the stage so you look at all the people who have taken a piece of the cold crush brothers and I can give you a story that um, DMC and um, says all the time. He said Russell Simmons gave him, he said, you need to study this group right here. You have to become better than them. You got to become better than them in order to, be, to, to, to take this whatever industry by storm. They listen to our routines. They listen to our style. And he took what best fit for them or a piece of us and he ran with it. You look at groups like Leaders of the New School. He took a piece of Cold Crust and ran with it. You look at a lot, a lot of different artists has taken a piece of the Cogus Brothers and incorporated it into them, which is which is honorable, but it's not economical for us. So we never received the economic, uh, I guess, economics from all those particular things. But as far as history is concerned, and if you do a tree, a family tree, you will see the lineage connected to the Cogus brothers on many different levels. And even Will Smith, who, of course, received a Cogus brothers tape when he was in Philadelphia, listened to our tapes often, all the time. And he fell in love with Grandmaster Cass. And his rap style. And he wrote in his most recent book that because of his rap style and a particular rhyme that Cash is say, help him develop his first, do his first record. So it's amazing. But no one to this day has come to us collectively and say, listen, 
Well, I, I'm going to take that back because we had opportunities, but we have chose, we chose. So let's go, let's go. I'll go, I'll share some opportunities. Number one, um, in 1996, uh, we met with Russell and Leo Cohen. I think it was 96. And he was like, listen, we want to sign you to Def Jam. This may have been the second time they wanted to sign us to Def Jam. We want to put the machine behind you. We want to, because the only thing that you ever was lacking as a group was that machine behind you. You'll have everything else. We get producers. We do this. We get it. We get you in the studio and stuff like that. Um, at the time, one of the members of the Cobras Brothers was visiting um, prison. And so uh, some of the members went to talk to him and let him know the, what was being offered to us. Um, that didn't fall. That didn't come through. But it was offered to us. We got a contract from Warner Brothers. We didn't take that contract. We had a lot of opportunities. Um, Russell wanted to sign us at another time. And he wanted us to change our name to the Cold Crush Crew with KKK. We said, absolutely not. Not going to happen. Um, we just, we didn't we didn't take those opportunities. opportunities and we always, always had a voting process where we voted on things. So with six members, we voted on things. And I can say, so that's the reason why we never signed with any major label, even though we signed with um, South City, Aaron Fuchs. And remember, we didn't know the business of music. So in that contract, um, if we knew the business, we would have got a lot more out of it. Even though we still, we receive royalty checks to this day, but they're not um, slight, slight, um, at the level in which they would have been if we would have known the business of music. So it was a learning curve. I honestly felt that it's really important for us to go through that because we wouldn't be where we are today. Um, but to, just to close that question is, nobody from the era who are millionaires and billionaires have ever come to the Cobras Brothers and say, listen, like the rock groups come back to the, you know, they, they cultivate their pioneers, right? The younger rock group and connect with them. So they think they haven't connected with us in that respect. I would say it would be great for us to sit down with, because um, we have incredible ideas like a Jay-Z and or a, a Pharrell or a Will I Am, right? Because they're like eclectic, you know, and a Kanye, because they're a collective, uh, collective group of thinkers and we can make it happen. Um, you know, you know, it doesn't matter the age, it matters the skills and the will and the love, because we have those things. We just need the platform. So when he said that line, everybody was asking the question, did he pay y'all? And to me, it, it felt kind of like, I was like a, not a good question to ask, but I, I took it like, so when they mentioned other people in records, did they pay them? No, but I understand the reason why he was asking that question, because you know, you're from the beginning. We're from the, you know, the beginning of the, you know, hip hop. So we should get paid. We should get an opportunity to show what we can do on on a um record record basis because we never ever took records serious. We didn't master how to make records. That wasn't our forte. We never was in a, in a place with the right producers, but we mastered performing live. So one time we went out, we run, we went out when Run had sucker MCs out 
and we played in Chicopee, Massachusetts. We got on first, and we did our thing. We got off, and we went to the, we went back to the uh, to the dressing room. The whole entire audience followed us. Running them went and they performed, but they came in and they was like, "Yo, we we just trying to get like y'all." You know, it was an honor. Like you know, they they level in which they excelled was incredible. They had the machine, they had the right producers, and they had a blueprint that they could follow, which we, I would consider a lot of the Coker's brothers. Not only the Coker's brothers, but a lot of us, a lot of us in them. But anyway, so hopefully that can give you a little insight on that particular question. Do you listen to hip hop or like what, how do you spend your time? Like, what do well, you listen to? I listen to, first of all, let's, let's, let's go back to the beginning. We listen to everything. That's number one. That's why we, so we, we had, we have routines from every genre of music. I still listen to everything. I think music is a vibration. Um, I'm into frequency. So music is frequency. So there's diff different types of frequencies in hip hop that I, I can't, I don't absorb. It doesn't feel good when I'm hearing it. And then there's certain frequencies that I do. So it depends on the frequency of the particular song that's being played. I love music. I think music is an incredible tool to, 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 um, to teach, an incredible tool to, um, for your, to help people mem memorize things, um, to make people feel good, so, and stuff like that. So I'm into, I'm into all music. I mean, I listen to, I mean, you know, Everything. I mean, anything you can name, listen to. So, you know, from from growing up, um, my mom listened, turned on the radio on WCBS, FM, radio, AM radio, where they played all music from every every place. And, like, you know, they would consider pops, you know, music. So we grew up on everything from, from Bob James, Jackson 5, Marvin Gaye, Isaac Hayes, Curtis Mayfield, The Whispers, Ohio Players. Um, you know, some of my, some of my, I like, you know, I read, I like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, of course, of course. Um, we love Billy Joe. We have a couple of a routine mm -hmm. on Billy Joe. I mean, honestly, music is like, it's mu music has no color. It has vibration. That's, that's beautiful, man. Is there anybody that um, you feel that is out right now that embodies that, that cold crush live energy or anybody that approaches that? I don't think. Well, the vibration, I would say, like, as far as I would say, I wouldn't say they embody the vibration of the Coker's brother, but I think the vibration of EZAD would be, I love Kendrick Lamar. Mm. And it's a pop. Yeah. Not only like his music, I like his story from where he came from and where he, where he is. I'm in the history. I'm sorry, so I go into diving into the coach, to the person I listen to. I love, I mean, love the Wu-Tang. I mean, right. it's incredible. Right. Like, uh, RZA, RZA, uh, the scientists, uh, it's like they, they're, they're like they, they embody the Cold Crush brothers. You want to talk about them? They're not out now, but I would say they embody the Cold Crush. I would say, um, of course, we love Tribe Called Quest. I like group collectively. Mm -hmm. Um, one of my favorite songs is from a man uh, up in Seattle. Uh, Baby, get back. That's so, yeah. so high. That's what's up. Yeah. Um, That's what's up. Buster Rhymes, as far as when he was with. You know, these are new school. Um, and it's a lot. I just, they're not coming off the top of my head, but it's a lot. So I, I'm telling you, and I like the, red, um, the, um, the Black Eyed Peas. 
because they have yeah. that they have that flavor of the flow. It's like you don't box them in. They can go here, they can go there, you know. And and also um, Kanye, I like Kanye. What I like about Kanye is that there is narrative that's been created for him based on whatever what he says or whatever. But when you look inside of the human being and like don't and look at look into what he's really saying on an intellectual, you have to always. It's never. It's like behind the information, like what's coming behind the information. Like you know, I think he's super super smart. I think he, he, you know, he says things a lot of what he feels before he thinks that he has to come back. You know, and that's not, it's not a problem. A lot of artists do that, but he just has a, a, a larger platform where everyone listens to him. I think, I think he's one of the most like dynamic artists. I would say, let's say MCs that mm-hmm. lived on the planet. I mean, you know, people always talk about like, you know, I like, of course we enjoy Pac and we enjoy Biggie. Um, Enjoy NWA because I like groups mm-hmm. of NWA and they, you know, and one of the best MCs of NWA was um, the DOC before mm-hmm. he hurt his throat. Um, it's music is, a, is an incredible tool. And you know, I love Prince of Michael. That's like, that's, you know, Prince of Michael um, and Rick James. Mm-hmm. Come on, dude. I mean, Rick James is like, he's, he was just out of control totally. Um, the way he delivered. So that's what we talk about. Like Coker's brothers, yes, are some of the on the ground plant the seed, and I mean, and the end, and people benefit benefited from that, which you know, which is I think it's beautiful. But yes. you know, we are in like museums and stuff like that, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's definitely uh, cool for you to have come and joined us, Easy AD. Thank you so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate you. It's my it's my pleasure. Not, you know, I look forward to getting in so I can promote it on. Not, I'm sorry, wrong word. So I can share it on my platforms. <laughs> there it is. We'll, we'll appreciate it. So we'll we'll definitely ping you when it when it drops, man. Thank you so much. Thank much you, sir. respect. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. All right. Thank you. Take care. That was our conversation with Easy AD. I have been thinking about his whole comment about I don't listen to music for like the words or the music, mm. but like the vibrations and the energy of the music. I was like, oh shit! I've been thinking about this shit all week. <laughs> I've just thinking, I've been thinking about Tony Braxton, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm is not to... a bad, which is not a bad uh, place to. Uh, I'm trying to breathe again. Um, <laughs> You know, we we uh, on this program we've had the fortune to talk to uh, last poets, right? Which yeah, existed yeah. sort of was the prehistory. So to to sure. talk to someone from Cold Crush who was fully engulfed in you know wild style as as we talked about in the interview, and just just an original pioneer purveyor of the art and the culture that we love so much. Uh, what a honor! 
Yeah, and and uh, he really kind of gave up the goods on maybe some other opportunities. Yeah, that the yeah. Cold Crush have. I I've also been thinking about all week. Like, um, he talked about in the mid '90s having a a deal on the table with Def Jam, and I'm like, what could they have done with the Cold Crush in the I mid '90s? Know. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I, I would like, kind of like a Def Squad El Nino kind of thing. Okay, okay. Eric okay. Sermon uh, beats and have them okay. rap over. I don't know. I'm just thinking about what their roster totally. was like at that time. Okay. Uh, depending up- on what year of the mid-90s, a Slick Rick behind bars collabo mm. could have been in the offing. Like, I'm like dream executive Def producing Jam. this now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would buy that, Nate. I would buy yeah, that, Nate. Totally. Yeah, yeah and like cash. I don't know. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> With, like, no, but totally. What do you... Like, what do you do? Like, put out a Tila Rock record in 1998? Yeah, it, it does. There's a lot of moving pieces there to make it that, work. That would though, be the know? juice. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's from literally then. Yeah, yeah. that's true, huh? Yeah. I mean, those of you uh, who don't get this inside joke, Dave and I are obsessed with this Tila Rock record called The Juice. And it, it's worth looking up. Yeah. For 98. It's a late in the game Tila Rock record. It's also on an Aaron Fuchs related label. So that's problematic in its own way. But that, that song wow. rules. Yeah, okay yeah. okay um yeah it just it was interesting to hear him talk about and kind of swat away my question about the, the jay-z line which he's clearly tired of answering but i will say this in my defense jay-z actually referenced how he makes money on behalf of this rap group that got slighted that's still alive jay like yeah <laughs> like they're still alive and it's a classic jay-z line where he he likes to throw in people's names like he doesn't he likes to uh, throw people's names around pretty loosely. But um, yeah, it was just interesting to think about um, their place in hip hop uh, and kind of like how a lot of the pioneers did not reap the financial benefits. But at minimum, can we just give people their flowers? To me, it's not about like, right. OK, I know you listen to Illmatic more than you listen to a Cold Crush Brothers tape. That, that's fine. Like, I'm not here to say that you should hold those things in, in equal regard as your listenership, but like, uh, I don't know. Dave, tell me how you feel about this. Uh, I you, perfectly, do, perfectly do you think you that said. people do you, do you think that people have a responsibility if you call yourself um, a hip hop person, if you call yourself part of this culture? Do cats have a responsibility to understand who Cold Crush and all all of that era is about? I think so. If you take it seriously, you know what I mean? I mean, you don't have a responsibility to like the music, you know what I mean? But you have a responsibility to kind of know what you're referencing and to know uh, earlier, like Nate mentioned with Wild Style, like it's so foundational in terms of clips and what was used. You know, when you when you grow up hearing a million Rakim lines and you don't know what it is and later you find yeah. out who Rakim is, yeah. that's just important. Yeah, I, I feel like you just went to school right there. I feel like you just <laughs> I feel like that's Dave's class. I feel like I'm about to get a green syllabus and shit. Um, yeah, you know, I, I had a time when I was in college and I was start like started getting really serious about hip hop in one way. I majored in American studies, but I made all my papers and stuff about hip hop. So one could say I kind of majored in hip hop in college, which was a very dumb thing to do, and I don't recommend it. But um but I, I was like, okay, you have to like I, I did what Dave is describing. I was like, okay, let me understand. Let me understand. Mm-hmm. Like what mm-hmm. what how far back does this go and you mm-hmm. you basically get to 1521 sedgwick and cool herc pretty quickly it's not that yeah. long ago well yeah because it's not and that then long you get yeah. to, to park jams grand wizard theodore charlie chase the, the mm-hmm. wild mm-hmm. style cold crush fantastic five like 
there, there's fun stuff in there. And you know what's a, something I didn't bring up with EZAD, but like a huge amount of people probably discovered that they liked or had the capacity to like Cold Crush Brothers style rapping because of Jurassic 5. Because of Jurassic right, 5. We, right, we did we not touch that, on yeah. Jurassic 5. Uh, right. I was I was literally afraid. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, it was right there to be asked, but like I don't want to seed anything weird, yeah, right? Well, like if he didn't bring it up. Perhaps another time in another forum i am curious to see what he thinks of all that but like we've talked to cut chemist a true scholar of the park jam era he collects the tapes he's 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 a real deal like documenter of this culture he collects the flyers i was in his studio looking through the you know plastic sleeved park jam flyers he's looking for like these mythical things of parties like that's that's as real as it gets that's as uh reverent and um kind of respectful of the early days of the culture as wow. you can possibly get. Um, and then there, there's a yeah. Don who yep. keeps like a, you know, a, a park jam style to his music to this day. Like he's doing park yeah. jam style yeah. beats for homeboy yeah. Sandman in 2018. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's yep. just like that yep. people are keeping yep. it alive in a uh-huh. way that makes it modern. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And it made me think just while you were talking, you know who the real inheritors and who like actually took those styles and took them the furthest? Beastie Boys. Beastie Boys and the rhyme routine they kind were of doing thing. Rhyme routine stuff for sure. Pretty well. Yeah, to their you could tell, yeah, you could tell that they were like students of that whole of that whole era. Um, but yeah, we're we're grateful to have uh, Easy AD come on the program. Uh, we definitely look forward to hopefully talking to more legends because. Hip hop is real and worth documenting and should be documented by, you know, folks who are part of the culture, um, which would be you because you're listening to this podcast. Uh, you know where to find this, man. We're on freaking Twitter at Dead Bud Rap Pod. I thought I got off quality Will Smith jokes very early. <laughs> I feel like I got in a couple like Honestly, real, it was like 858 and I had a couple for not watching the Oscars. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm a cultural responder. I don't engage with, the, with all the work. Um, so I, I felt I felt good about that. Uh, and then we were also on um, IG at Dad Bod Rap Pod. We have the Patreon. Patreon is is growing slow, but steady. We're doing adding more and more content per day. Uh, we may do an, an Oscar uh, theme thing, depending on how Nick feels on Thursday. Um, we're doing record reviews weekly, um, posting playlists. Like we actually have a lot of shit going up there. So um, I have to say, I, w- I meant to say this off air, but I'll say in front of everybody, I'm loving your intros to your playlists. It's like, you know how people complain about like, I don't want to hear your life story. I just want the freaking recipe. <laughs> yes. it's, it's, like, it's like the best possible version of that. If that makes sense. Oh, that's so good. That's that is dope. so good. Cause I'm literally doing that. Yes. I, I'm, I'm lining up. I, you know, I, yeah. I haven't read a ton of your writing and I'm really yeah. enjoying this, like living in your headspace for like what, what uh, is it, five minutes a week. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gems, Thank they're you. not just songs. Ab- absolutely. Songs. It's it's a it's it's my personal sad journey. Uh, lived out <laughs> through Spotify. Lived out through Spotify. You know what it is. Dad bod rap pod. We are out there in the internet universe. And you should fuck with us on a weekly basis. Uh, send us some beats, dadbodrappod at gmail.com. I need we need new beats for Patreon stuff and for uh, show interludes. Uh, s- snippets are fine, streamable is fine. 
Google Drive is fine, but don't, yeah. don't go crazy. Not, not preferred. Dropbox not pre- is not preferred. Uh, okay. Send us some beats. Yeah, no, but like, but like shit that we fuck with. Like, don't. Right, right. Yeah, I've been through the email, and I'm like, bro, you didn't listen to the show for that two seconds, <laughs> right. man. Yeah, um, it's weird how they know to send it, but they don't know what to send. Yeah, um, yeah. No, well, because I think it's a cultural thing that um, this happened to me when I made the mistake of asking for beats on Twitter. Um, <laughs> there's somebody with just a pack of 400 beats of every possible type that's just waiting for you to ask. Um, mm. So it's really hell on earth, but. But we we have dope listeners who have sent us dope stuff in the past, so we encourage y'all to keep doing that. And uh, in general, just keep rocking with us. It's the Dad Bod Rap Pod.